Turn with me in your Bible this afternoon, please, to the book of Isaiah. Turning to the book of Isaiah, please, from chapter 6. Isaiah 6, and we'll be reading from the verse 1. The verse 1 through to the verse 8. As we've mentioned already in Thursday, our nation and wider world were plunged into shock. And the BBC announced the death of Her Majesty the Queen, Elizabeth II. That the TV screen turned black. Then the news was announced, and the national anthem played on both radio and TV. Our nation's heart broke as we heard that our long beloved monarch was now gone. The Queen came to the throne in 1952, and over the past 70 years has been a constant beacon of hope for our nation. The winds of change have blown throughout Queen Elizabeth II's tenure as head of state. Arena spanned the post-war austerity, the transition from empire to commonwealth, the end of the Cold War, the UK's entry into and withdrawal from the European Union. Arena spanned 15 prime ministers, starting with Winston Churchill and finishing with Liz Truss, just appointed at the beginning of this past week. The long reign of Queen Elizabeth II was marked by her strong sense of duty and her determination to dedicate her life to her throne <coughs> and to her people. She became for many the one constant point in a rapidly changing world. For many of us here today, she was not only our queen for our entire lives, but our parents' queen and our grandparents' queen it seemed that her reign would simply last forever. On the occasion of her silver jubilee, and she recalled the pledge that she had made on her visit to South Africa 30 years before. She said, when I was 21, I pledged my life to the service of our people, and I asked for God's help to make good that vow. And she said on that occasion, I do not regret or retract one word of it. You know, it's not for us to say whether our Queen knew the Lord Jesus Christ as her Saviour. That's an individual matter. And that's between her and the Lord. But she often spoke of her faith in God and her reliance on the Lord to fulfil her duties as she served her country. More recently, in the 2nd of August 2022, the Queen is quoted saying, Throughout my life, the message and teachings of Christ have been my guide, and in them I find hope. A queen who had much time for God, who held a high Christian moral standard, who is now gone. What does the future hold? It's an uncertain future. And today our nation mourns, and we at Grange mourn the loss of Her Majesty the Queen, the monarch who humbled herself and relied on God to help her fulfil her duty. We have a new king, and we have a new prime minister. And for the true church of Christ today in our land, we're filled with uncertainty for the future. Will our new monarch turn to the Lord and rely on the Lord the way his mother before him did? Will it change to the throne and increase the speed of secularisation of the UK? Well, let's turn to God's Word this afternoon and see what hope we can glean from there. 
in a time of change. Isaiah 6, and the verse 1, and this is the word of the Lord. And it reads, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up, and his train filled the temple. Above it stood the seraphims, each one had six wings. With twain he covered his face, and with twain he covered his feet, and with twain he did fly. And one cried unto another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. And the posts of the door moved at the voice of him that cried, and the house was filled with smoke. Then said I, that's Isaiah, Woe is me, for I am undone, because I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then flew one of the seraphims unto me, having a light coal in his hand, which he had taken with the tongs from off the altar. And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips, and thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin purged. Also I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send, and who will go for us? Then said I, Here am I, send me. We trust the Lord will bless the reading of his words, the word to each of our hearts. The opening words of the chapter read in the year that King Uzziah died. And this afternoon I would like to speak to you under the title, In the Year that Queen Elizabeth II Died. I'm sure as you listen this afternoon, dear child of God, I don't need to tell you that these are days that are filled with profane, godless, secularized, and largely atheistic culture. I find this disturbing, especially as we stand in the country of Northern Ireland and our leaders claim that we are a Christian country. But at times, personally, what I find more disturbing is that the church today can at times look just as secularized as the rest of the country and those around us. We as Christians can treat Christianity more like a religion rather than people who know the truth and want to know the truth. We so quickly replace the true God and substitute him with a God who makes us comfortable or a God who we want, him, the God we want him to be for us. Being a Christian for what we get out of him. I wonder is it time in a time of national mourning, when our Queen has passed away, to consider the God of the Bible once more. And on this solemn occasion when we mourn her death, surely it's a time to get a fresh glimpse of God again. A fresh glimpse of the throne in heaven. A fresh glimpse of God as individuals and a fresh glimpse of God as the church. I remember a series was preached many years ago in Iron Hall when I was younger, and it was called Glimpses of Glory. And I've never forgotten the title, because as the church, that's exactly what we need to see again today. When the monarch who reigned from the earthly throne is gone, 
Surely with us when we need to lift our eyes to our heavenly throne, we see a glimpse of God, a glimpse of glory, a heavenly vision, a vision of God that we would run to Him and worship Him and forget the things of this world and live for Him again as we ought. Paul Washer, when preaching, once said, Turn your eyes from worldly desires, your need for higher things, the regenerate heart, the born-again Christian will never find satisfaction in a fallen world. Where do you find your satisfaction? Is it in Christ? Or are we still dabbling with the things of the world, dear Christian? When testifying to King Agrippa in Acts 26, Paul, who was a man who had a glimpse of glory on the road to Damascus, he testifies that he was not disobedient to the heavenly vision we see, we need this heavenly vision in our lives again. Turn your eyes from worldly desires. You were made for higher things. My hope and prayer is that at this time of mourning our earthly queen, that our eyes will be lifted heavenward, that we'll be led to worship the God whom we serve. The fundamental fact of our faith is God is holy, God is majestic, God is faithful, God is mighty, God is awesome, God is transcendent. In fact, in Exodus 15, 11, it says he is glorious in holiness. I don't think we'll ever understand the holiness of God in this life. But if we could just get a glimpse, it would captivate us forever. That's the throne we want to focus on this afternoon. There's a story told about two brothers. Because nothing but trouble for their parents, and they were always getting up to mischief. And the parents were so distressed with their children's behavior that they decided to bring the two boys to see the pastor of their church, to see if he could talk a bit of sense into them. And the pastor decided to deal with the boys one at a time, and he spoke to the eldest brother first. And he brought that boy into his office, and he leant over his desk, and he asked the question, where is God? Of course he was asking, where is God in your behavior? Are you considering God? And the little boy didn't know how to respond, so he remained silent. And the pastor, he asked again, where is God? And the minister, he asked the little boy the question three times. And after the third time, after not answering the pastor, the little boy ran out of the pastor's office to find his little brother. When he found his little brother, he said, Oh boy, we are in trouble. God's gone missing, and they're blaming us. God's gone missing, and they're blaming us. As we arrive in Isaiah 6 for a few moments this afternoon, this statement, God has gone missing, which certainly described the state of the people in the southern kingdom of Judah. Verse 1 says, In the year that King Uzziah died, Isaiah is careful to tell us that these events happened in the year that King Uzziah died. This was 740 years before the Lord Jesus would come as God incarnate. We read this account of King Uzziah in 2 Chronicles in chapter 26. We certainly realize for Uzziah, any time or consideration for God had gone missing. 
Would it be, you know, it would be useful maybe to flip to Second Chronicles verse 26 to look at a few of those verses just to get the context of our passage. What do we know about King Uzziah? He was brought to the throne of Judah when he was just 16 years old. And he was a young man who was uniquely gifted. And he, he, he was a young man who was raised to a position of prominence very early in his life. He was a young man who at the beginning of his reign, he depended on the Lord to make his life useful as a king. He reigned for 52 years. And during that time he brought peace to the, he brought peace from the enemies of Judah. He fortified Jerusalem. He brought security. And he developed agriculture and commerce. And for much of his time as king, we read in verse 4 of 2 Chronicles 26, he did what was right in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 6 says this, He sought God in the days of Zechariah. And you know, God made him successful. But then verse 16 tells us that he was strong and his heart was lifted up to destruction. You see, pride became King Uzziah's downfall. He thought he could do absolutely anything. And he decided that he would rush into the temple to burn incense upon the altar, a job that was reserved for the priests. And Uzziah knew that. And Azariah, who was the chief priest, and any of the priests, they came and they confronted him and they challenged him. And instead, when he was challenged of repenting and coming with a repentant heart before the Lord and confessing his sin, he became angry. And as he was angry, God caused terminal leprosy to break out in his forehead. He was cast out of the city as all lepers were. And the king who had been greatly used died as an outcast. A king who had been greatly helped and useful in the Lord's work. But when he took the Lord out of the equation and became proud, the king became very useless. Maybe in whatever ministry you're involved in, whether great or small this afternoon, it may be that you've been successful. Maybe you've seen the Lord move and bless in the ministry that you're involved in. Maybe it is that the Lord has helped you. But you must never be taken over by pride. Or you could become very useless. This is God's work that we're involved in. Not ours. And may we never as a church here in Grange Baptist become proud of who we are, or the history that we have, or the many activities that are associated with our church. It's God's work, not ours. Maybe rather be constantly calling upon the Lord for blessing, for guidance, that we would bring glory to His name, and glory to His name alone. Desire that, it seems like a time of peace is over. A leader who began so well who crumbled. Queen Elizabeth has died. This afternoon we wonder what this new era holds with King Charles III on the throne. 
But you know what Isaiah 6 serves as a reminder of? That while earthly kings and queens may come and go, that God is still on the throne. I want you to look at a number of phrases that we find in this passage. And the first of those is this here. We see a vision of the throne. It says in verse 1, In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. I saw also the Lord. Isaiah saw the Lord. Chaos all around. The king is dead. All in despair, mourning has hit the nation. The death of the king, all people around can only see that the king is dead. Society has crumbled, a crumbling leadership. And the people, they have turned their backs on God. Judah had sinned and the surrounding nations had sinned. And the whole earth had sinned. And yet, in all this chaos, when all around seemed to be going wrong, Isaiah says, yes, in the year that King Uzziah died, yes, there was disaster, but in that year, I also saw the Lord. But often we as the church can look at all that's going on around us, and our eyes can be taken off the throne of the God that we love. And the devil, he causes our eyes to wonder and observe the lawlessness around us, and how easily we can lose sight of God and God in his throne. But let me tell you something as we meet today. We need to take our eyes off London. And we need to take our eyes off Washington. We need to take our eyes off Moscow and remove our assumption that therein lies the future of our world. It doesn't lie there. How important that little word also in verse 1 is. In the year King Isaiah died, I saw also the Lord. Isaiah saw the mess, but he also saw the Lord. I want you to notice the place that Isaiah saw God. He says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne. Do you see the place? The Lord was on his throne. And here in the chaos, Isaiah looks up. He sees the Lord in his rightful place. On the throne. John MacArthur said, There can never be much panic when you know that God is still on the throne. Dear brothers and sisters, may we never forget in all of those circumstances, whatever happens in your life individually today, whatever worries and concerns go on, God is still on his throne. And you know, as Isaiah sees God in his throne, he's thrilled. And he's filled with wonder. In verse 5 he says, and he declares, and he exclaims, I wonder, can you picture the scene as Isaiah, he has seen this great vision, and, and he cries out, and he shouts, and he says, for my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. He's lost in wonder at this awesome sight before him. And Isaiah, he sees God in all his glory, and in all his majesty, and Isaiah sees God in his fullness, and he can't help but speak of it. He's filled with such wonder that he has to declare it. And he says, For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. In all that's happening, he sees God in his majesty. I wonder in all that's happening in your life today, do you see God in his majesty? 
Does he thrill you to the point that he can't help but speak of it? Isaiah saw the Lord in his throne, and he had to declare. You know, I am so pleased to bring three up to the front today and to see and go out and serve in the Lord. But you know, each of us, every single one of us, have our own mission faith. That might be our family home, that might be the neighbors around us, that might be our work. Would it be salt and light? And I wonder, do your eyes lift to the throne and I wonder in your workplace, how you need it? Can you not help but speak of your Lord? Isaiah saw the throne. It's a symbol of sovereignty. I want you to see that the throne that was high and lifted up, look at verse 1, it says, I saw also the Lord sitting upon a throne, high and lifted up. It was so lofty. So majestic. This throne, it was lifted higher than any other. And Isaiah sees the greatness and majesty and sovereignty of God, who is infinitely greater than the highest conception and idea that we can have of him. Even the most lofty words that we can use as humans doesn't even scratch the surface of how wonderful our God is. God is more sublime than all sublimity. He is loftier than all loftiness. He is more profound than all profundity. He has more splendor than all the splendor we can imagine. He is more majestic than all majesty. He is more merciful than all mercy. He is more just than all justice. That's the goal we serve. And we need to get our eyes off disappointment and disarray and all the confusion around us and get our eyes fixed in the throne. And get our eyes fixed on the king that is upon that throne. Jehovah. Just are we not reminded in Hebrews that we ought to be looking on to Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and was set down at the right hand of the throne of God. When we see him high and lifted up, that's when we were we will worship him around. And we take our eyes off the things around us and get a glimpse of glory, a glimpse of the throne. Maybe this afternoon you're here and you just can't face the week ahead. A hospital appointment limit. Maybe it's a family crisis and you don't know where to turn. Maybe it's the rush of constantly looking after the children. Worrying about the children. Maybe depression and sadness fills your mind. Lift your legs to the throne. Tell the Lord all about it. He cares. Your heavenly king cares. And he will sit on his throne eternally. He will never be moved. And his promise is true. He will not forget you. God is still on the throne. I want you to see that his presence filled with leaves. He says, I saw the Lord high, the Lord sitting upon on the throne high and lifted up, and the tree in his robe filled with the temple. If you want to experience the presence of God, there's no room for anything else. His robe filled the temple. 
Isaiah saw this vision of his robe filling the temple. And in 1 Corinthians, Paul reminds us, Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you? And the robe filled the temple completely. And today, we ought to give full room for the Lord to fill our lives. He's disgusted with the fellows that we want. The literature that we allow to pass through our hands. His spirit is driven within him. When you discover some of the things that we've decided are fine for us on our journey to heaven, we can drive God's Spirit from our room when we allow these sins to enter the room. For He has commanded, Be ye holy, for I am holy. Dear brother, dear sister, this afternoon is a standard. How do we experience His presence? We must see Him in His place. High and lifted up on the throne, and then we discover his person. For we see the, we see the angels cry in verse 3 Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is filled with his glory. In the year that King Uzziah died, I saw also the Lord. But I want you to see, secondly, he says, Woe is me, for I am undone, and I am a man of unclean lips. Do you see how this vision shifts the focus from the sin of others? You see in the run into Isaiah 6, Isaiah, he was looking all around him. He says in chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Woe to the way. And then in chapter 5, verse 8, he says, Woe to those who join from house to house. In verse 11 of chapter 5, he says, Woe to those who rise early in the morning that they may follow intoxicating drink. In verse 18, he says, Woe to those who draw inequity with cords of vanity. Verse 20, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Verse 21, Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes. Verse 22, Woe to men mighty in drinking wine, valiant for mixing intoxicating drink. And he sees the sins of Judah, and his eyes are on the earth, and he's looking around him, and he's not seeing this vision of the throne yet. But then, when we see this reference to King Uzziah, and then he sees the Lord sitting on his throne, we all of a sudden see a complete change in his attitude. And Isaiah stops seeing all the sin of those around him, and all of a sudden he, he looks to himself. He says, hold on a minute, I'm saying damnation to all these other people, but woe is me. I'm sinful. Before the Lord, I can't stand. Woe is me. For I am a man of unclean lips. In the Bible, the mark of a man or woman that has encountered God and Christ, it's found in the humility that grips their life. And they see themselves as they really are. A sinner. And Isaiah sees that. Isaiah turns his eyes to the Lord. And he says, Woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of unclean lips. Maybe the greatest need for us as believers is to be reminded God is on his throne, yes. And yes, we need a fresh glimpse of his glory and majesty, yes. But we need to see ourselves as we really are. You believe or you're just a sinner. And we as the individuals need to see ourselves before the Lord. Not your wife, not your brother, not your sister, not your parents, not your children. You need to see yourself before the Lord. 
Maybe our heart's deepest cry needs to be that. The same as Isaiah's, oh, it is me. God is still in the throne, yes. But when we see ourselves before that throne, we will see ourselves as we really are. Just sinners, saved by grace. I saw also the Lord. Woe is me, for I am done and undone. In verse 7, we see, I touched my touched lips. You see, in verse 5, as we've been reading, it says, Woe is me, for I am, for I am undone. The man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of the people of unclean lips. My eyes have seen the king, the Lord of hosts. But then the seraphim flies down, and he takes a piece of life pole from the altar. And he touches Isaiah's lips, his mouth. In verse 7 it says, And he laid it upon my mouth and said, Lo, this hath touched thy lips. Thine iniquity is taken away, and thy sin perished. You know, that speaks of the atonement. His sin was atoned for, paid for. And the piece of coal from the altar, the place of sacrifice, the place of atonement, that's where the high priest would have went and sacrificed the lamb for the sins of the people. And in this passage, and, I, and, and Isaiah, we find an altar, but we no longer need an altar. We have a cross. And it's the cross where our sins were atoned for. For as much as you know that you're not redeemed with corruptible things, a silver and gold from your vain conversation received by tradition from your father, but with the precious blood of Christ, as, a, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot, who was verily foreordained before the foundation of the world, but was manifest in these last times for you, who by him do believe in God, that raised him up from the dead, and gave him glory, that your faith and hope might be in God. We only need an altar. If there's something left to sacrifice. But there's nothing remaining. And the Lord Jesus declared himself on the cross when he cried it is finished. And we can approach God who sits in the throne through that finished work of Calvary. But how the world needs to see God's people with touched lips and transformed lives. That's a testimony. And we can approach the throne boldly this morning. Why? Because we have a great high praise that is passed into the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God. Let us hold fast to our, our profession, for we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly unto the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. I saw also the Lord sitting on the throne. Woe is me, for I am undone. He touched my mouth, but finally Isaiah said, Here am I. Send me. No one will ever truly say, Here am I. Send me. Until they say, I saw the Lord. 
no one will be useful in the Lord's work until they humble themselves and say, woe is me, for I am undone. I am a man of uncleanness. No one will ever be useful in the Lord's work until they have touched lips, sins paid for. John Gill says for Isaiah, who before thought himself undone and unworthy to be employed in the service of God, now having discovered and has the application of pardoning grace, now freely offers himself to God. And this shows the true nature and effect of an application of pardon. It gives the child of God freedom and boldness in the presence of God. And it stimulates the child of God to ready and cheerful obedience of his will. On a day when our nation mourns, when an earthly king, a queen, an earthly queen, has passed away, I wonder if the children of God will we choose to lift our eyes high? See the Lord in His throne. See ourselves as we really are. And cry out, Here am I, standing. Let me tell you what my prayer is. My prayer is this. That in the year that Queen Elizabeth II died, that I personally, and we as an assembly of God's people here today, saw the throne. I wonder what we say to the Lord. I wonder what we plead for His blessing to fall. That this year would be a year that we look back on as an assembly and say, Remember that year that the Queen passed.